The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Mark said, um, if we were a different kind of school, um, but I'm a black Baptist preacher. So you were right down my lane today. I felt like I was in church. Choir, thank you so, so very much for that. To Dr. Williams, to my spiritual colleagues who bear the responsibility of teaching here at Karen, and to the men and women who must suffer through our teaching, good morning. It is truly an honor to share in this chapel service with you this morning. I would also like to um, thank whomever it was who risked their job to recommend me to share this morning in chapel. And I promise, I promise I will write you a recommendation if it becomes necessary. And I do want to just um, uh, make mention of uh, a woman that I do love dearly and um, who has um, loved me for uh, some time now. In October, we'll be celebrating 45 years of marriage. And, and I'm just grateful for my wife, Lydia. Mark, I, um, I know that I'm, the Bible says that I'm the leader of my home, but I'm not in charge. <laughs> I, I want to share this morning from a rather familiar passage of scripture and hopefully allow it, allow us to see see this passage from a slightly different perspective. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Pray with me just for a moment. Father, thank you for this privilege you give me to share your word. Glorify yourself and richly bless everyone in the sound of my voice. In Christ's name I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. If anyone is in Christ... In Christ is a phrase that Paul used numerous times throughout his epistles. He speaks of the believer's relationship with Christ. It speaks of his or, or her identification with Christ through faith. In Christ, one writer said, is shorthand for our union with Christ. 
in Christ speaks of those who participate with Christ in his death and resurrection. Paul says to be in Christ is to be a new creation. If you will, the object of a divine undertaking. In August 1976, a novel hit the bookstores that took America by storm. Roots, written by Alex Haley. In it, Haley chronicles the life of Kunta Kinte, who was sold into slavery in Africa, brought to America, and the horrors that he and his family suffered while in this country in slavery. The novel spent 46 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list, 22 of those weeks as number one. In 1977, an eight-episode TV series was released. It won nine primetime Emmy Awards, a Golden Globe, and a Peabody Award. So why? Why did it did it have such a profound impact, not only on African-Americans, but uh, on people of every race and culture? Was it because people were preoccupied with the ills of slavery? No, no. But because Haley tapped into a longing of every human being, no matter their race, their nationality, their culture, the need to know who they are and where they came from. They needed to know their roots. Yes, the story sets forth the barbaric and inhumane treatment of African slaves, but working his way back through the ills of slavery, uh, Haley's goal was to demonstrate that Kunta Kinte's value was not determined by his sojourn as a slave, but by his origins, where his life began. Haley highlights the dignity of Kunta Kinte's humanity by providing or by, by proving that the ancestors, his ancestors, were from or were kings and queens in Africa. It was not his life as a slave that determined his level of dignity as a person or, or lack thereof, but his dignity and worth were tied to his family tree to his royal origins. You know, I can only wonder if it was roots that led to the obsession people have had since then to discover their roots. And so we now have sites like Ancestry.com where millions of people go 
to find out where they came from. Now, in no way would I want to disparage Alex Haley's magnum opus. But I do believe it was lacking one critical element. It didn't go back far enough. Our true identity is only found when we go back beyond our human ancestors to the one who created us. Because in him, the God of the universe, will our true dignity and worth and personhood be found. One of the greatest crises plaguing our nation today is the crisis of identity. I recently discovered that over the last 50 years, the most common title for poetry written by high school students is the title, Who Am I? People want to answer the question, Who am I? Who am I? Because in doing so, there comes this recognition of one's value and worth. While preparing for um, a Bible study and reading the genealogy of, of Jesus in Luke chapter 3, my eyes fell upon something that I had not noticed in previous readings. Luke begins from Joseph, works his way back through the ancestors to David, and then to Abraham. And then he continues until he closes with these words in verse 38. The son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. In Genesis, we're told man created was created in the image of God. And Paul tells us in Colossians 1.15 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And in Luke, Adam is called the son of God. Adam was created to be like the uncreated son of God. Adam was created to know the love of the Father that the eternal Son had always enjoyed and to reflect that love and what it looks like. He was to illustrate in time the fellowship the uncreated Son of God had eternally enjoyed with the Father. Adam and all humanity you and I, all of us, were created to reflect the eternal son. Isn't that what, what, what Paul was pointing to when he says in, in Romans that the father predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son? 
That's what makes us human. That wonderful capacity to reflect the glory and character of God. Because we've been stamped with his image, his dignity, his worth. That's what it means to be human. Every human being conceived in the womb, no matter their human ancestry, race, religion, position in life, no matter if someone is physically handicapped or mentally challenged, we have all been endowed with the image of God. We have all been stamped with the dignity and worth of the one who has intrinsic significance and infinite value. But when Adam disobeyed God, his reflection became, as R.C. Sproul put it, the polar opposite of Jesus. Adam's sin was a rejection of his love relationship with and obedience to the Father. Adam's sin defaced the reflection of the image of God and he died to the knowledge of what it meant to be human. Athanasius called it being dehumanized. Another writer using the imagery of a mirror said it this way, the mirror is cracked, but it's still a mirror. The mirror is defaced, but not erased. Distorted, but not destroyed. And Adam's sin condition, that defaced humanity, that dehumanized trait was passed down to all humanity. And so... We live now in a culture where everyone wants to be happy, fulfilled, satisfied, but we don't know how. We no longer know what it means to be human. We don't even know what it looks like. Yet, sensing our brokenness, we attempt to fix ourselves. We engage in various self-help projects, if you will, in an attempt to establish our own identity, manufacture our own happiness, and define humanity on our own terms. Not far from our home in the town of Marlboro is a large, a rather large cemetery. The grounds are impeccably maintained, manicured, if you might say. The property is lined with these beautiful dogwood trees whose blossoms, who, that, that blossom pink uh, in the springtime. It is truly, without question, a beautiful cemetery. One day, my, my wife Lydia was driving toward the cemetery, and 
her eyes fell upon a rather large sign in front of the cemetery that left her both laughing and befuddled. The sign read, Rummage Sale, with dates underneath. After sharing with me and my laughter subsided, I began to think about what Lydia described. And I realized that's a picture of humanity. That, that's a picture of me and you before salvation, rummaging around trying to find our identity among the dead. When Adam fell, the earth in all of its beauty became a vast cemetery populated from pole to pole by dead men walking with the image of God defaced and dead to the knowledge of what it meant to be human. Yet, we're bent on trying to humanize ourselves. Today, we live in a world that spends billions of dollars a year inventing, packaging, and promoting ways to find dignity and worth. We're trying to find our identity and value and happiness in places where only death can be found. We suppress the truth in unrighteousness. We measure ourselves by ourselves. We pridely, uh, pridefully dehumanize others in an attempt to humanize ourselves. We see it in slavery, the Holocaust, the Rwandan genocide, and in even now human trafficking in our day, it all testifies to it. We assign fictitious significance to position and power and possessions in hopes of achieving happiness and fulfillment. We arbitrarily decide who and what we are are based on our feelings. And so, children today, as young as seven, are being allowed to choose what gender they are. Yet, our attempts to discover what it means to be human, to find happiness, continue to prove empty and bankrupt because sinful humanity has no idea what being human looks like. The only portrait we have has been defaced. We're fumbling around in the dark trying to redraw a portrait when we have no idea what it should look like. The only answer, the only answer to man's dilemma is Jesus Christ. Athanasius said, the original subject of the portrait had to come down and have his likeness redrawn on the canvas of humanity. And so 
the eternal Son of God, the image of the invisible God robed himself in humanity so that he might redraw the image of God in humanity. And only in those who trust in Jesus Christ, those who are in Christ, can the image of Christ be redrawn. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Some of that redrawing takes place instantaneously. Our position before God is changed forever. Our old death condition is forever gone and we are made alive in Christ. We are redeemed, forgiven, adopted into the family of God. We are sealed, made heirs, and the blinders are removed from our eyes so we might now see and know him who makes us human. All of that and more instantly becomes our lot because we are now in Christ. Then there is that progressive redrawing taking place whereby God is forming the character of Christ in us. Um, Paul, Paul in, in Galatian refers it to, uh, refers it as the, the fruit of the spirit. But you and I have a role to play. As we seek to know God more intimately through the appropriation of his word, the Holy Spirit does his transforming work in our lives. We begin pursuing those things that reflect Christ. And in so doing, we begin to enjoy the benefits of being truly human. Men and women, you are facing allurements in ways and from directions that I did not experience. And these allurements are constantly being repackaged, not only to capture your attention, but to demand your buy-in. When I have the privilege, and it is a privilege, when I have the privilege of teaching a course here, one of my greatest joys is knowing that I have the opportunity to invest in lives, the lives of men and women who will be entering not merely ministry-related uh, fields, but taking various career paths, sciences, uh, counseling, education, art, um, music, you will have the opportunity, the privilege of being the church outside the church, of reflecting Christ before a world desperate, in desperate search of what it means to be human. As my wife um, drew closer to the sign, she realized that the leaves of a tree were covering the words 
at the top of the sign and that the sign was not on the cemetery property, but across the street from it, where sitting quite a ways back from the street and surrounded by trees was this beautiful building to whom the sign really belonged. When Lydia was able to finally read the sign completely, it displayed the name of a church rummage sale, and then dates. My brothers and sisters, the unbelieving world is rummaging around trying to discover who they truly are. And that emptiness within them will not be satisfied by anything or anyone other than the holy, loving God in whose image they were created. So since they're going to rummage around, you be the alternative of that well-manicured cemetery. Be the church, the life they can view and rummage in. Why is that so important? Because their humanity, their identity, their dignity and worth, their eternal destiny depends upon it. They need us to demonstrate, to illustrate before them what it truly means to be human, and that humanness is only found in reflecting Jesus Christ. I pray that the Lord will use you in ways that you never, ever thought possible. God bless you.